Well, good morning, Shepherd of the Valley. How are we today? Good, good. We want to welcome those who are with us live or watching at a later time online. They, did you know you could join us on YouTube or Apple Podcasts anytime? Maybe you're driving somewhere and you want to just listen to a good old sermon. I know I do. So uh, feel free to do, tune in any way that you certainly can. If we haven't met, I'm Sam, one of the pastors here at Shepherd. Now, obviously, today is a really important day for some of us Minnesotans, uh, Vikings fans, so I wore this today. To which my wife just saw me and she said, what on earth are you wearing? <laughs> so, it's not because she's not a Vikings fan, although she's wishy-washy. It's because she doesn't like what I look like, all right? But this is for our team. Skull on three, one, two, three. Go. Yeah. If you like another team, we love you. We invite you into this space. There's a special corner of heaven for you uh, that will allow you in. But we're so glad that you're with us today. Um, we're in this we're starting a brand new big series called The Blessing and a Curse. And this will take us a number of months to slowly unravel, and we're excited for the journey. I am personally. But in order for it to be um, edible, uh, we're going to take it into chunks uh, so we can really wrap our minds around this as a community. So we encourage you, if you do miss, to jump online and join us and catch up. But here's where the story is going to begin, a blessing and a curse origins. We're going to look at the first number of times that this, this word blessing and cursed are used in, the, used in the Bible, and we're going to see how there's an expansive kind of definition, one for us to hold on to. And here's why. My hope as we look back on this season, my hope and prayer as we look and lean into this is I want us to discover who's blessed, who blessed people are. I want us to discover what blessed people do and what blessed people don't do. I want us to learn how to receive a blessing and give a blessing. And uh, so we're going to look at this origins as this subsection for now, and then we'll look at how we be a blessing in different areas of our lives throughout the course of the next number of months. Now, in these next few minutes, I'm going to pretend like I'm a, a professional linguist, okay? Uh, so I want to get started with a different word that's not blessing, just to prove my point, okay? So let's go to this first word, shed. Many of you know that this could be a small structure that is built to put things that you don't want in your house somewhere else, right? On your property. But for my daughter, who's 11, her interaction and concept of the word shed is what our dog Louie does, is he sheds his fur, right? That's her one definition of shed. So when I asked her the question, did your teacher shed some tears when you handed her that gift? She looked at me dumbfounded because she couldn't compute how shedding tears could be somehow associated with shedding fur. Because words have a wide range of semantic meaning, especially when they're in context. How many of you know what I'm saying? Yes, great. Uh, eight o'clock refused to raise their hands or acknowledge that I was speaking to them. <laughs> you guys are. God bless your soul. So what we're going to do throughout this next number of months is look and, un, uh, dare I say, unpack this word blessing and what does it mean. So if I say something today as I'm building a foundation that you're like, yeah, but what about, yeah, what about, yeah, but it says this and Jesus uses it like this, like slow down. We're going to build a foundation and we're going to move on an expansive definition of blessing, but we will get started today and we have to start with a question. What comes to mind when you hear Blessed or blessing. Don't, don't raise your hand or don't say it out loud. 
But just think for a second. You might consider an interaction with this word in various forms, like when someone sneezes, right? And we say what? Bless you. Yeah. Yeah. Or you might go down south and and they might say to you, bless your heart, to which I don't think they're actually trying to bless me. I don't know what it means. I'm still trying to figure it out. You know what I'm saying? Or you might hear someone do an interview with a sports athlete after a big win, and they say, man, I'm so blessed, man. Right? There's various ways in which our culture uses this word. You may have noticed this kind of interaction as well on social media. Social media has used this hashtag flow for a number of years now, which gives you an opportunity, if you're not a social media person, to search by certain words, okay? So you could do a post, and you could put hashtag blessed, hashtag um, gorgeous, hashtag whatever, and you could search by those different hashtags. So when I searched by hashtag blessed, guess what happened? I noticed that there was 145 million posts about hashtag blessed, So this is certainly a word that people are using in our culture, and it means all sorts of things. Here's some of the things that I noticed when I scrolled through Instagram, and it said hashtag blessed. I noticed birthdays, special occasions, trips, traveling, special accomplishments, fitness, particularly men flexing in the mirror, hashtag blessed. It's true. On second thought, don't search that. All right. (laughs) Babies, hashtag blessed. Family, hashtag blessed. And you get this idea of what our culture thinks about what it means to be blessed. And it begs the question who doesn't want to be blessed, right? All of us want to be blessed. But as we look at how our culture uses the word blessed, What I've discovered very quickly, and you will too, is that most of the things that we talk about in terms of blessing or blessed are external. They have to do with health and wealth. And everyone wants those things. It seems as though, like, if, you know, everyone wants to be smarter or faster or better looking or stronger or richer, you know, the whole thing. And so as we look at each other's lives, we can see different varieties of fruitfulness from ourselves in a comparison to other people. Everyone wants to feel blessed, but if we're honest, if I had a separate table of this being someone else and their fruitfulness, and I had a table right here, no matter how much fruit that represented my life and my externals that would be on my table, if I'm honest, I would be tempted to look and compare what's on my table with someone else's. Isn't it true that we have this tendency to do the compare game, our fruit, our externals versus somebody else's. And it can cause us to say, yes, I know that I'm blessed or I should be blessed, but I don't feel blessed, right? And let's be straight up honest. When it comes to blessing, we'd like it to look a certain way, bigger muscles, bigger houses, bigger cars, better cars, bigger boats, or whatever, bigger paychecks, and we'd like blessing to be done our way. And so there's this very, uh, various definition of what fruitfulness and blessed looks like in our culture. And if we're honest, we want it to look a certain way, and we want to do it our way. And yet, as we look at Scripture and we begin this foundational 
journey together of looking about what truly it means to be blessed, I want us to zoom in on the beginning. A good um, uh, follower of Yahweh, the Jewish God of the universe, would begin in Genesis, and as they would notice themes and words, they'd begin to expand what the meaning would mean. When I studied Scripture for a lot of years, I would see how different authors would use the word, the original words, a few different ways. And so I'd be like, what? You know, imagine 22-year-old Sam going, what? They use, it, they use this Hebrew word like this, and this person uses this Hebrew word like this. Like, which one's right? And you know the answer is, yes. <laughs> they both are right. Because what the Hebrew authors and the Hebrew thinking is this that they begin in the beginning in Genesis and notice how the words are used. And as repetition takes place throughout the Scripture, they start to take notice. And so what I want us to do is begin in the beginning and see how blessed is used as a foundational thought. And then in the coming weeks, we will expand on what it means to be blessed. But I want to do my very best to give some sort of foundational thought today. And it begins in the beginning in Genesis chapter 1. This comes on the backs of God breathing life into the world and creating the world in six days and the resting on the seventh. We come to the sixth day, and this is what it says. God blessed them, that is the humans, and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. This is actually the second time that blessed is used in the Hebrew Scriptures in Genesis. But for time and attention, I just want to let you know the first time that was used was about the birds of the year and the fish in the sea, and they were blessed. And as a result of being blessed, they multiplied. So in the thinking in our heads should be downloading, blessing is tied tied to some sort of multiplication. And then you fast forward just a few verses and you see the same language coming out of what humans are called to do. They're also blessed to increase in number and multiply. Now, what's significant is This is the first time God has been speaking into creation. This is the first time God speaks directly to creation. And who does he speak with? You and I, humanity. He speaks right to us. And he says, be fruitful. You are blessed. Be fruitful and multiply. I want to give you, um, I could have given you a few other smarty pants definitions of blessing, but I, brought, I, I have one here that's a little bit more palatable, and then I'll give you one more. John Mark Comer is an author and pastor and speaker, and he says it this way. Blessing is a gift from God to generate life, fertility, and well-being. I want to pause right there. His definition is not based on what society would say about it. He was just looking at the Scriptures and what has been said about this word blessing and came up with this definition. So I want to pause right there and say, for some of you, this definition can be a source of pain. Because either for yourself or for somebody you know, they've struggled with fertility. And maybe you're sitting in this space and saying, I guess this is another affirmation to say that I'm not blessed. If this is the definition of blessing, this isn't me. And I want to speak to you and say that couldn't be more further from the truth. I know it's silly, but in the same way that shed means more than just shedding hair like my dog Louie, blessing 
has a semantic range, and it begins like this, but it doesn't end like this. When Jesus steps on the pages of history that we will get to, he will expand once again our definition of what blessing is. But for today, as we look at the Hebrew Scriptures, what it has to do with is multiplication, generating life, fertility, and well-being. It's looking at things that, that thrive in life the right way. Those things are blessed. Here's my definition that's just a little bit more truncated and simpler. Blessing is fruitfulness produced God's way. It's fruitfulness in our lives that can have some external um, descriptions, but either way, it's fruitfulness God's way. It's the way that he designed the world to work. And we can even look at that definition of fertility and well-being and say, well, why isn't that the case here? Which is why we're going to get to that with the curse in Genesis chapter 3. But God's intention for humanity is he speaks blessing on you and me. And he says, I'm the creator that creates creators. You are created in his image in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, just two verses ahead, behind. And he says, I stamped you with my image. So you are also creators. You are also created to multiply and create and generate life through the things that you put your hands to in life. Fruitfulness. Fruitfulness in God's terms. And our temptation is to reach. Isn't this true? If I proverbially had my own table right here with my own level of fruitfulness, in addition to being tempted to compare to what someone else has, I'd also be tempted to reach and say, I want what they have, and I want to do it their way to get it. So if I can be rich, that's one thing, and I'd want to put that on my table. But whatever means they have done to be rich, that's reaching. Reaching is all the ways in which we try to grab for blessing in our lives, pleasure in our lives, goodness in our lives, outside of God's design. This is for any facet of your life, parenting, finances, sexual relationships, any single time we choose to grab blessing on our own terms. A little, I'll give you a little bonus here. That's what turns into a curse. We'll unpack that more later. But for today, our temptation, excuse me, is to reach. And we come to Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, and I want to just highlight this. God blessed them. Before they are called to do anything whatsoever, God says they are one, two, three, God says they are what? One, two, three, blessed. Blessing is not something that they have to create. Blessing is something that they are, church. You see, blessed is not what we reach for. Blessed is who God says we already are. Now, we're going to get to Jesus and how he, how he um, really blows this up in the best way possible. But before humanity creates or does anything, he says, you're blessed. You're blessed. 
This is God's, one of God's first windows of grace in our lives. Before we took a crawl, before we said our first word, before we wrote the first paper, before we got an A in whatever, 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 before we made that first hundred dollars, whatever it may be, he says, I have designed you to be fruitful. And it doesn't look like this. You know what it looks like? This. What I have in my hands are bags of seeds that I failed to plant last summer. (laughs) I asked my wife if we should go buy some. She goes, we've got plenty. (laughs) What we look out into the world, into our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers, and see their lives, the external circumstances. But God says before you've created a single piece of fruit in your lives, he says you're already blessed. How? Based on what he's put inside of you. Each and every one of you has been handed some sort of proverbial bags of seeds with gifts and talents and strengths and DNAs and DNA and corks and body type and, and eyesight of certain abilities and strengths. The list goes un imaginably over and over and over again. He says, you're blessed. And he hands us the seeds. Inside of each and every one of you is the potential to build and create beautiful things. You're made in his image, created to create. And yet, The story we sometimes tell ourselves even from this stage is, well, we're broken and we need a savior. And it's true, but in the beginning, it does not begin with brokenness. It's important to start in the beginning. It's whole. It's whole. It's whole. So part of the journey of life is to be able to look on the inside and notice the ways in which God has wired each and every one of us. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28 goes on. By the way, if you're like, this guy doesn't use enough scripture, come back next week. Pastor Jeremy, I'll have like 50 scriptures, okay? (laughs) God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. You see, first he says who they are, and then he says what blessed people do. Do you see that? God bless them, period. That's grace. And he said to them, be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. That's called responsibility or a fancy word called stewardship. He hands you these things and he says, how are you going to cultivate it? You're blessed, period. But you're called to cultivate the blessing. Cultivate the blessing. So I want to show us three, uh, two different ways, very tangible today, on how we cultivate the blessing. How do we order our lives in such a way that what's on the inside of us, blessed, comes outside of us in fruitfulness? Because like I said, everyone wants to be blessed. Our first step is to recognize and receive it. To recognize and receive it. Each and every day we walk on the planet not realizing what we have on the inside of us. 
we're missing out on our original design. A few years ago, I stumbled upon a really interesting article that talked about different people that purchased homes, and when they purchased the home, they discovered very crazy valuable items inside that the previous owner didn't realize that were there. In Alberta, Canada, this family purchased this home, and they reno- when they renovated it, they found out uh, these Hollywood posters that were worth $600,000 dollars. Okay, fine, I can do better than that. Um, <laughs> another family purchased a home and discovered comic book, a comic book collection worth $3.5 million. Okay, a little bit better reaction, one more. In Northern California, they literally found a pot of gold under a tree. These gold coins under a tree were worth $10 million. Thank you for the reaction and appe- appeasing to me. Appeasing? Maybe. Can you imagine being the owner that sold that home and realizing what they had given up? What they had realized was there the entire time. And so it is. Humans walking around this planet with unimaginable worth and potential and skill just waiting to be worked and put to God's use. And we sit back and say, ah, I'm not like Gary. I'm not like Rick. I'm not a public speaker. I'm not very smart. I don't make as much as Gary. I guess, I guess I'm really picking on Gary. Sorry if that's your name. <laughs> Apparently, I only know like two people's names. All right. Rick and Gary. Don't we do this? Yeah, I got a few things on my plate. But boy, Joe, man, if I could be the boss, if I could be the boss like Joe, I would really, really be worth something. I could really make a difference. Someone's got to stay home with the kids. I could be out making millions, and I'm here just raising a family until we recognize and receive that each of us is a whole bunch of bags of seeds, and each of our children are bags of seeds just waiting to grow and flourish. Have you recognized it? What would it look like for us to have a daily practice of cultivating generosity, recognizing and receiving who we are and embracing it. Man, I'm not as funny as I wish I was, but I can craft a good Twitter phrase. You know, fill in the blank for you. What would it look like for us to start celebrating who God's made us to be and not the person to our right and to our left? This can set us free, people, to recognize and receive it In order to set up the second and final point, I want to go to Genesis once again. This is going to sound familiar. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. I want you to notice that. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth 
and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for, fruit, for food. There's something that's happening here with this word subdue that I want you to get a hold of. It's the Hebrew word kabosh. Can you say that with me? One, two, three. Kabosh. 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 One more time. Kabosh. One, two, three. Kabosh. Now, you've heard of kabosh it, like put it, put it to bed, kill it. Like we're done, right? We're putting that conversation, we're kiboshing it. But it's actually the opposite in Hebrew. I'm not sure how this got switched over, but what kabosh means is to tend what is wild, to order what is chaotic. What God is inviting humans to do, after they, they receive the blessing because they are blessed, they're called to cultivate in such a way that they order and they tame what is wild, to take the seeds given to them, to take the seeds of humanity and watch the world thrive with our seat, with our neck of the woods. This is so significant. I want to speak to parents who say, well, I'm not making millions, but I guess someone's got to stay home, to start seeing your kids as seeds in the making. And what does it look like for you, mom or dad, whether you work inside the home or not, to see that your kids are not who you want them to be yet? Can I get an amen to that? They're not the fruit that you want to see yet. But what does God call us to do? To cultivate them, to work it, kabosh. Parents, that means that we go slow. That means we speak to our kids at their level and invite them into our faith journey. Do you know at the right stage, it's comfortable to say, hey, I'm a little bit unsure of how God's going to show up in this scenario. Do you know there's stages of the journey where you can show and model for your kids how to pray, and it begins when they're one, two, three, four on the kid level, and it keeps growing. What we want, parents, is to have our kids be college kids someday and not look back at their faith as if it's, uh, that, that we don't want them to look back on college and be like, I've outgrown my faith. And you know how they would do that? If they didn't see someone along the journey that's further along, that has also wrestled with big kid issues. But our kids often go to college and they get handed different questions that they have not wrestled with. And they maybe not have seen you wrestle with it. And they're going, I guess my faith doesn't hold weight to these big kid questions and problems. So what do we do? I'm not shaming you. If they come back with those questions, that's going to happen. What do we do, though, as parents when that does? Is we model what it looks like to lean into the question, to lean into the doubt, and to admit to them that you also don't have all the answers figured out. Now, I'm still on the faith journey in terms of my parenting, so please don't shoot holes in it. Like, my oldest is 11 years old. But I think I'm on to something when it comes to meeting our kids where they're at. For those who work with money, you, you might be like, well, that, that's not a spiritual thing, but I am telling you, how you choose to till those finances is so important. And you might say to yourself, I don't have a lot of money, and you're looking at seeds, and you're comparing your money to somebody else's. What does he say to do? Stewardship is we cultivate what we have. 
Don't talk about money in church. Why not? You deal with money every day. Amen? Golly. Some of you are, are bosses, and your business isn't as big as you want it to be yet. And you've got to wrangle a whole bunch of dangly employees. And they don't have the fruit in your business or the people that you quite want yet. But what does it look like for you to cultivate? You see, everything from my vantage point is spiritual. Because everything that we've been given is a stewardship. To guard, protect, to lead, to guide, and to multiply. Part of the blessing designed from heaven was that so we would not hoard it, but that we'd be willing to give it away. That's for another sermon, okay? The blessing. We cultivate it. And if you're like me, sometimes you're like, well, I don't have Jimmy's gift. The other day I ran into uh, a guy that was Mr. Minnesota and he was ripped, like huge. I got to fly. And I said, how did you get so big? Because some of you know I do spend some time in the gym. (laughs) You laugh and I know why. (laughs) So I said to this really big guy, how did you get so big? He goes, I don't know. When I lift, my muscles get big. it's his most honest answer. When he lifts, his muscles just grow big. When I do curls, they stay the same. (laughs) What's the point? If you try to be someone else's seed, your fruit is not going to grow in the way that someone else's will. So kabosh who you are. Work it. Be it. Embrace it. If you're a dangly musician and you can't order your finances for the life of you, but you can create beautiful music, bring someone else who can do that part and make beautiful music, amen? Like we could go down the line and say, who are you and what are you up to? Cultivate it, kibosh it, because there are things inside of you that help society grow and flourish, and that in and of itself is a beautiful and good thing. And along the way, because we're made in the image of God, if someone doesn't know that they're, that they're made in the image of God, we share that along the way. We cultivate the blessing. We can look at our seeds and scream at them, grow faster. We can look at carrot seeds and say, be a pumpkin. It sounds absurd when we say it about seeds and fruit, but isn't it just as absurd in our own lives? I want you to embrace who God has invited you to be, to accept the grace that is you're already blessed before you've ever taken a step on the planet at all or spoken your first word. And the curse has made a mess of things. We'll get to that. But you are blessed not because of your choose to reach outside of God's way, but because of who he says you are and your invitation to cultivate it and shape it. So lead well, parent well, teach well, organize finances well. Whatever God has put in your lap, do it with all your might as if working for the Lord. I believe that's a scripture. Come on, somebody. As we close today, Listen to the words of Jesus. He says, you did not choose me, 
but I chose you. That's the blessing. And appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. What kind? Fruit that will last. My brothers and sisters, may you have an eternal perspective that your temptation to look at the external things that people say are blessed and say, what will actually last beyond this? Because what would or could happen is we could reach for something and get it. Yes! And get to the end of our lives and realize it was rotten on the inside the whole time. My brothers and sisters, may you cultivate the blessing and not reach so that we can have fruit that will last for eternity. That's about all I got to say today. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for these moments that we share. And Lord, I pray that, that each person in this room and listening or watching online would get a bigger picture for themselves than even that they have currently. That they could reorientate and adjust their thinking to see what the true blessing is all about. A multiplication your way, putting you at the lead. May we see ourselves as blessed because we are and help us cultivate the seeds that you've given us that they may produce 30, 60, 100 fold in our lives. Not the rotten stuff that won't last, but the stuff that will last forever. We pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.